0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age various by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hello and welcome in to the people who are joining Jacob and I who are live together for the first time as the Lunch Draftcast. Um, so kind of a quick little synopsis of what's going to be happening today. I think we're going to start off with some off-ball linebackers. So your more traditional, like inside linebackers in in the 30 front or Mike, Will, Sam, your, your 40 front linebackers that all typically p- play off the ball and don't really do much in the way of rushing the passer, or stands here or there on certain dialed up blitzes, et cetera, what have you, um, I think Jacob and I will probably do a quick Q and a at the end for any prospects in the two realms of what we're speaking of linebackers in the first half of the show uh, edge defenders in the second half of the show. And uh, we'll go from there. Um, Jacob, why don't you say hello to the people, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Howdy. Uh, Yeah. I'm really
2: looking forward to this one because there are a lot of really good uh, edge rushers, especially in this class. Uh, Linebackers I think is the group that slept on in the group too. So, uh, very excited to be able to dig into this. Very excited to be live here for the first time on the Lunchpail DraftCast. So uh very much looking forward to tonight's episode. I hope you all are too. Uh if anyone's you know, if you're watching live right now or if you're you know gonna be catching up later, uh we're very excited to have you listening to our show for sure. So
1: yeah, so you know what, before we delve into anything, let's first kind of plug our stuff and you know, where you can find us, you know, you can find me on the whole bird app thing on uh, Dan at Dan Meehan M E E H A N the numbers nine Oh after it. And I think you just released some sort of draft guide, Didn't you Jake? I did actually. Wow.
2: What a, what a coincidence that you bring that up, but oh, yeah, that, I'm,
1: uh, that's interesting. Isn't it?
2: it really is very, uh, very good timing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah no, so I'm uh yeah I just released my draft guide relatively recently. Uh, it's over on my Patreon, which is uh, my pin tweet on my profile, uh, which is jacobinfonte infonte uh, 24. It's got my entire big board, my uh, top 30 prospects, in-depth uh, scouting reports, uh, seven round mock draft, and Bears long-term position evaluations. So uh, make sure to check that out uh, if you haven't already. I greatly appreciate that. And yeah, there's my little, my little sales pitch. Uh, we're going to get into some more uh, really good NFL draft content, but thank you for bringing that up. Very, uh, very topical. Might I add.
1: Yeah. It's, it's very astute on my end. I just really wanted to use that word because it shows yeah. the vocabulary that Carbondale Illinois gave me once upon a year, <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Um,
2: it so. like a, a true genius. If I do say so myself,
1: <laughs> a true idiot, but yeah. um. <laughs> What's what's really interesting is though, Jacob, is the last time we talked. I told you that you know I was still playing catch up, and I, in a way, I still kind of am. But I, you know, I just got married. You mentioned how I just got back from my honeymoon. The first episode we did, or really yeah. the second episode, because we did our Senior Bowl and Shrine Bowl recap a little bit as well. Since that first episode, I have watched upwards of forty something prospects for for at least there two games. There we go. So I have <laughs> locked myself away and. And, you know, I, I've actually put out some threads on some guys I've really enjoyed watching and thinking they have become, in essence, draft crushes. You know as well as I do. You you watch enough of these kids, and it's all of a sudden, like, everyone's, like, on Twitter has their one draft crush. It's impossible. When you're watching upwards of hundreds of kids, Yeah, it's, like, it's never just one crush. It's, like, 15, 20. It's, like. <laughs> But it's called hedging your bets. You know, you got to make sure, you know, you can't miss on everybody, or you can, I guess, theoretically. But yeah, if you suck at your um, job, then, yeah. You know. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> All right, so why don't we start off with the uh, less sexy position, as they say? You know, we'll save the best for last. But the edge defenders, we'll start off with the linebackers themselves, the off-ball guys. Um, we'll kind of stick to our formula as we always do, where. We start with some of the top guys in the class. We each go over some of the more middle-round guys who we think could develop, and then we'll each kind of throw out maybe one or two um, sleepers, I guess, as it were, that we really like, who, yeah. given the right situation, even if it's just a guy who you think is going to excel on special teams, like Matt Adams, from the who the Bears just brought in a couple days ago. That is a guy you could theoretically – make your money with Brent. Matt Adams was a pro football focus. uh, First team, special teamer. You know, that's a guy that that'll last in the league. Yeah. There's value in that for sure. Exactly. So Jacob, you know, I'll give you the floor. You're the lead expert of Windy City (laughs) Gridiron. Um, Who pray tell do you like at the off ball linebacker position at the top of the class?
2: So from what I've been able to gather is the consensus is either down to Devin Lloyd out of Utah or Nicobe Dean out of Georgia. And my uh, top off-ball linebacker is Devin Lloyd out of Utah. And it's close. I'm not going to lie. They both have very good uh, grades on my board and both very close. But I do give Lloyd the edge. Uh, I think just, you know, mostly from a size perspective, he's – you know, about 6'2", six, 6'3", six, we're in a Kobe Dean sub-6 foot, uh, so he doesn't have the, the sheer size or the length.
1: That's that awful Devin heightest Lloyd... of you.
2: Yeah, I know, I know. I'm probably going to get some uh, hateful messages. Uh, if someone's going to call me out on Bears Reddit and talk about how punchable yeah, you know, why don't
1: you be better? Just be yeah. better, all right?
2: Yeah, I'm I i, I going to have to look <laughs> at that. But, uh, yeah, no, so I think that Devin Lloyd is uh, – he's my linebacker one right now. There's a lot to like with him. Uh, he's a very sound tackler. He's pretty versatile. I like to believe we watch him on tape. His athleticism is side to side. Mobility is good. His ability to wrap up with form and physicality is good. He's an above average blitzer, uh, for linebacker off ball as well. So, uh, there's a lot to like there. He's got good chops and coverage. He's mobile enough that he's able to change direction. Well, uh, I, I just think he's a very well-rounded prospect. So you have someone like that, that's probably worth taking in round one. And I, I get it. Realistically, a lot of you here who are listening to this are Bears fans. I mean, it's Second City Gridiron. And, you know, this is our, you know, WCG uh, YouTube channel and all that good stuff. But so if you're looking for guys who are going to be Bears targets, Devin Lloyd isn't one of them. He's not going to be available. I doubt Nicobe Dean is too. uh but, yeah, I, I do I have Devin Lloyd as my top linebacker. That's no slight to Dean, who I think is actually more athletic. Uh, and I like him a little bit more in space. But I think that Lloyd's uh, overall length and physicality gives him a little bit of the edge there. So I'm interested in your so, thoughts, too, because I uh, it, it's very close. I've seen people go uh, either way.
1: So I'm actually um... – Kind of still in the process of finalizing linebacker grades, like I told you, Jacob. This is actually probably my personal favorite position to evaluate.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, it's funny. My two favorite, or who, what I would deem my best positions are, largely considered the least valuable when running back and linebacker. Yeah. But that's okay. Like, it's it is what it is. whatever your yeah. strengths are, your strengths are. You kind of you kind of embrace them, right? Yeah. Um, I am with you in the sense of. I actually do believe Devin Lloyd at this moment has a slight edge on the Kobe Dean for a lot of the re- reasons you st- stated, but what I really kind of enjoyed about when you watch Lloyd on film is that he got better all, seemingly every game. Yeah. It, it's not like this was a player who was at the top of the draft board and stayed at the top of the draft board and was just consistently there the entirety of his career like a guy like uh like Dylan Moses who came out a couple years ago prior to his yeah. knee injury he was always being mocked at the top of hit the linebacker class like got you know god bless him his knee went and he never really was quite the same i actually think he just got released by Jacksonville i saw which yeah. is really
2: yeah which is really un- it's of unfortunate, unfortunate. cuz that yeah.
1: Yeah, but the guy, for all intents and purposes, was very much a very good player, and he, like you said, he does thrive well, especially in like the delayed blitz schemes that that they deployed oh, yeah. him in. I I really liked his ability to flip and turn with tight ends that he showed. Um, it he's just so hard to not like. Like I said, the biggest thing for me is he just consistently got better, and one of the things you're noticing a lot of times with, especially with these. Um, up and coming linebackers that get to certain, you know, levels of competition, they're not linebackers from the start anymore. Yeah. They're transitioning from safety or from, or from like, maybe they're an oversized nickelback or something. They're transitioning inside and then they're being told to put on weight because of how pass heavy the leagues are becoming. Yeah. I guess following that, um, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Oh, no, you're good. Uh, I was just going to say one guy who stands out to me as an example is uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Uh, coming yes. out of Notre Dame, uh, got drafted by the Browns in the second round, which uh, I still think it's a little bit of a sin that he fell uh, as far as he did. I know there was like injuries or whatever, but uh, th- that's a guy that you put him in the NFL, say, 10, 15 years ago. His production wouldn't probably wouldn't be nearly the same. I don't even think he'd be playing linebacker in the NFL 10 or 15 years ago. But now in just the way that the linebacker position is uh, changing and adjusting, like you said, uh, he's carrying a very high ceiling in the next level. And we saw it as a rookie. He looked really good. Uh, And I think that a lot of more teams are going to look to try and replicate that as – you know obviously it's a pass first league more and more of those converted safety type of guys uh at least i think are going to be uh targeted heavily in the draft going forward
1: absolutely i mean you can even look look back to you know we're bear centric channel obviously but you even look at Roquan Roquan was not a stereotypical linebacker a decade yeah. ago he he was very much considered undersized and he made his bones like you know playing in coverage and blitzing and Essentially living off of athleticism versus thump size and power. But before we uh move on to I guess we should just group the three Georgia boys together. Like it only makes sense they all play on the same team and that defense sit down in Athens, Georgia was ridiculous. (laughs) Um I, I saw Myron in here off to the side say that Ask us if we're going to be taking questions. Yeah, we're going to attempt to take questions at the end, depending on how long we go. We are trying to fly through this, but there's a lot of people to cover for all intents and purposes. So we're going to move on to Georgia, though. Um, We'll start with the number two guy that we both kind of alluded to and N'Kobe Dean. Um, Undersized, but I know he was a multi-sport athlete. He played baseball, basketball, and track coming out. I also want to say he was like a consensus five-star recruit coming to Georgia from every major recruiting service. The guy is almost in a way you brought up Jeremiah Ouso Corvo in a way somewhat similar Yeah, in that he's kind of an overhangs defender. He's, He's small. Like, there's no other way to say it. For a linebacker, he's 5'11. He's 220 some odd pounds, maybe pushing 230. I don't have his exact measurements in front of me. But he, the one thing that I really like about him when I popped him on was just closing speed.
0: Yeah. When he
1: identifies the ball, he goes and gets the damn ball. <laughs> like, there's no, he, I guess I would consider him like a hair trigger defender. Fine, diagnose, go get it. Yeah. I, I really love that about him. He's really, and that, and you can see where all that other athleticism comes from when you're talking about Dean. Like he just he does things other guys don't do in terms of that that level of, of athleticism. But I'll, you uh, take take over a, a little bit on Dean here.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I look at Dean, uh, and I think you bring up a very good point with the closing speed. I, I compare. Uh, Lloyd and Dean a decent amount and for all you know full disclosure I don't I haven't watched uh, as many games on these linebacker prospects as I normally would Uh, sim- especially like a Lloyd or a Dean because the Bears don't have a first round pick I'm trying to knock out as many more bear-centric guys as possible in terms of where I use Tell the most volume Uh, so I have I've watched a lot of the Georgia defense so I do and luckily enough for me have enough on the Kobe Dean. So with him, I think that his processing speed is just a tad quicker than Lloyd's. And I think that you get that combined with the slight edge from an athletic perspective that he has. And you're looking at a guy with almost limitless range as a tackler. And, you know, you brought up the comparison to Usu Koromoa. I definitely see a lot of that. I think that He's the type of guy, he's quick to process once he makes his read, uh, he's able to diagnose it and then position himself and just explode. And that's one thing that I love to watch in him is uh, just how decisive he is, how precise his movements are. And that comes down to intelligence, that comes down to coordination and body control. Uh, There are very little wasted movements in Dean's game. And that's one thing I love to watch
1: and and i agree with you and i think part of the reason where i'm why i'm leaning lloyd over dean at this point is partially because of scheme versatility like yeah. i have a hard time seeing like dean play inside in a 30 front just cuz of the sifting through garbage as it were that he has to do like he would be an excellent will linebacker and i know we're talking semantics here cuz everyone's always in nickel and dime now But there are times that 15-ish or so percent of the time where these guys do have to be in their base front and they do have to do certain things. N'Kobe Dean really, really struggles when he's met with a blocker. That's just, it's the nature of being his size. It's not a bad thing. It's not necessarily completely out of his control. He can get better at stacking and shedding and things of that nature, but you can't change the fact that you're 5'11". There's just certain things he can't do. And that's not a knock or it is a knock, but it's not like dooming his career. It's just pointing out like you have to play both sides of the coin. Lloyd is just bigger. Like, and you can't change that.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you could change, if you could change height, then truthfully, I'd be over six foot by now. But uh, unfortunately that's not, the case. (laughs) uh, whenever I have like an online dating profile, I kind of have to lie about my height because I'm, You know, people are like, oh, he's six foot, but whatever, whatever. Discussion for another time. Uh, (laughs) That's neither here nor there. (laughs) uh, Yeah, so I I definitely agree. I think that Lloyd is generally more scheme versatile. It doesn't necessarily matter uh, where he's drafted as much as it would be with N'Kobe Dean. I agree. I think Dean's a very good fit as a will linebacker. Could he play Mike? I don't think so. Uh, At least not as well as he could will necessarily and, and to
1: be fair I also know I'm critiquing Dean full well that he played inside backer in George's 30 front. I, I get that. I understand that. I'm talking about a transition to the next level.
2: Yeah, yeah. And exactly. Like am I
1: dooming him? No, he could absolutely probably do it. I'm just saying if you are looking for the versatility of hey, who can do this, who can do that, it one I think clearly it just offers a tad more in the way of scheme transcendence, as it were.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And we see that with a lot of guys, like they're able to play in one alignment in college and they're necessarily going to be shoehorned into a different one in the pros. So, uh, yeah, that's a good point you just brought up because there's going to be a lot of, uh, I don't want to say a lot, but there will be some prospects where maybe they'll move from safety to linebacker. Safety or linebacker. You can go on and on and on. But yeah, I I agree. I think that Lloyd has... Uh, the upside and the advantage in that regard.
1: Absolutely. So I guess then this brings us to the question of what Georgia backer do you want to talk about next?
0: <laughs> uh,
2: so this is tough for me because I think that there are a lot of similarities between Quay Walker and Channing Tyndall And I very, Uh, I have pretty similar grades for them on my board. Uh, I think they have a lot of the same strengths. I think they have a lot of the same weaknesses. I'll go with Quay Walker because he has the size advantage. He's about like an inch or two taller, maybe like 10, 15 pounds heavier. I don't have the exact uh, numbers in front of me, but uh, I think that there's a very high ceiling with Walker. And it's a little disappointing to me that he's not being talked about as much as he is. I think that if the right NFL team looks at him, I think he could go early round two. And will he go first round? I don't know. I wouldn't entirely lock that out just because you're looking at a guy with that much size, with that much speed, a guy who can change direction well. Uh, is he as intelligent? Is he as quick of a processor as is running mate N'Kobe Dean? no. But just because of the size alone combined with the fact that he has speed, I think he's going to be drafted higher than many people realize. So
1: I agree, and I t- actually really like that you brought up his, his diagnosis issues. Like it, it, It's definitely better from 2020, but he yeah, does have yeah. that issue where he almost – he doesn't so much diagnose, like read, react, and go as much as let he lets it happen, and then he goes and gets it. Like, it's, there's not a lot of anticipatory, and that, you can learn that, that's film study, that's coaching, that's just part of growth as a player. Not everyone's going to be N'Kobe Dean in terms of their their ability to, to diagnose and get to the play. So, I actually really enjoy Quay Walker, and I think what makes him interesting is his, I actually think because of his ability to run and that extra gear, I actually think he may have some like not untapped potential as maybe like use as a Sam here and there to go after the quarterback because of his long limbs, his, his, his height, his explosive ability. And, you know, theoretically, you know, being able to transfer speed to power kind of thing. Like, yeah. I like Quay Walker. I think he's just, you know, it it depends on the team. Yeah. He, he's very much a work in progress and when you talk about his instincts and his ability to actually cover he's much more I would say like a downhill thumper at this point than yeah. he is a well-rounded linebacker but there's nothing wrong with that that's still a very serviceable NFL player who will, should end up somewhere productive
2: yeah no absolutely and when I, I'm looking I have his uh spider graph on mock draftable pulled up right now you're looking at a guy who's just shy of 6'4. So he's 91st percentile for height and 96th uh percentile for wingspan. So keep that in mind. He's also a guy who ran a four-five-two 40-yard dash. That's 91st. And
1: is that good? That seems good.
2: That's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Uh so Kinda I think famous. that you, yeah. No, you have a guy who's that uh a guy who's that physically gifted at that size. Uh I, I think that there's a lot of untapped potential, exactly like you said. And he's much more reactive than instinctive at this point. That's my, uh, my go-to lingo for that. I have that written like 50 times in my scouting notes at this point by now, uh, just for different people. But uh, I think that really does describe Quay Walker, but that's again, like you mentioned, that's something that can be coached. He has, the stuff that you can't teach. He has the size. He has the length and it's and sure you can teach speed to an extent, but that's a four or five guy. Who's as big as he is. That's the, that's a rarity. So uh, that's,
1: yeah, I, he's, yeah. he looks like he was concocted in a lab to play football.
2: Exactly. Like really. <laughs> yeah, Exactly.
1: So let's, I guess, move on to the, final of the uh, the, uh the, the the bulldog linebackers. And it's like some of this just feels like you're talking about like some repeat almost, you know, with Channing Tyndall. What is he? He's fast, he's explosive. He you know gets gets downfield in a hurry. He's you know it's almost like if he were a starring linebacker anyone else, anywhere else but Georgia, you'd be talking about a guy who is so much more productive and he was already producing in Athens. He just was the third guy. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how that's so ludicrous to say, because he's probably what a top, depending on how you view him, like as an off ball backer, like top six or seven in this class, just because it's, I, I, in my opinion, I think it's a pretty deep off ball linebacker class. And it's just a position that, isn't as sexy as it used to be, you know?
2: Yeah, no. And I think with Tyndall, there's – I'll, I'll admit, I do have him a little bit lower than that, uh, but that's not a knock on him at all. There's just a lot of linebackers in this class that I really like. Uh, so, you know, that aside, I think Tyndall's another guy, like you mentioned. If he went somewhere else, he would be, like, the star of that defense. And instead, he's probably, like, what, the – sixth, seventh best guy on that defense tops, you know, if we're being generous. And that's again, not yeah, a if you're not being generous,
1: generous when you factor in the safeties and the corners and in the linemen up front, oh, like God. it's yeah. the, the Georgia defense, it's, it's not when you look at the, the names on that defense, when you're talking about Devontae why? And uh, Jordan um, Davis and the, Davis, Jordan Davis, and then all the, the the linebackers, and then the safety whose name is escaping me because I'm in linebacker and edge mode right now, who's uh, arguably the second best safety in this class, Lewisine, Louis Lewisine. Louis
2: yeah, I, for some reason it came up. I thought you were going to say Tyke Smith because that's a guy who's returning that I watched, and I f- totally forgot at first that he was. Uh, I forgot that he was returning to school for one second. So. Yeah, no, it's a star-studded Georgia defense, and you factor in guys who've stayed, uh, it's even more loaded. So, yeah, I think that, Tindall, right. that that thats not his fault that there's so much talent around him. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in right. seeing and, what he can do uh, where NFL teams evaluate him because uh, I think it could be pretty high. I think it, it might surprise people a little bit just how high he can go just because of it, that, it, how athletic he is.
1: Yeah. And like at this moment in time, I think he's kind of like a, a Sam only because he does struggle in coverage. He doesn't turn well. He's kind of just straight ahead. And he's really, he kind I'm trying to, like, I I love the term playing like his hair is set on fire, but he kind of does. <laughs> yeah, He is just all over the place and he's violent yeah. and he gets to people with malicious ill intentions. And yeah. he just wants to hit you as hard as humanly possible. Like when he meets a running back in the gap, mm. it's it's like he's out for blood. It's awesome, <laughs> and that it it warms the cockles of my heart. Like I said, it's my favorite position to evaluate. Yeah. Like it's it's so much fun. So yeah,
2: uh, no, no, know, it,
1: like I said. He's also easily fooled. Play action him to death. Make him make him read the play. Diagnose. Do certain things. He just can't do it. Like it. Whatever. It's not really. It's you get to a point when you start watching this. It's just stop telling me what they can't do. It's tell me what they can do. Like and I can make him work in a certain in a specific role or a specific. Uh, I guess role is the right word, but you know what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I think when you're looking at Tyndall, I think that Sam is a possibility for him. Uh, it's just that in these certain defenses that go nickel heavy, how often is the Sam utilized in these certain schemes? Which
1: fifteen to twenty percent of the time.
2: Yeah, which is it's not um,
1: much. It's not and much that kills his value given his skill set.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that. He could develop into a will. I think that uh, that's more of a long term prognosis than it is. Okay, where's he going to play year one, year two? Uh, because, like you said, I, I have uh, literally in my notes the exact same thing you said. Uh, he can be uh, faked out by play action. He's, you know, sometimes a, a, a split second too late to diagnose option plays. Uh, so I think that there's still a work in progress there and he doesn't have the height and the length that Quay Walker has, but again, still very athletic, plays very hard. He hits hard. He has, uh, uh I found this interesting because even though he's smaller, he has, uh, massive hands. It's 10 and five eighths. That's 97th percentile for linebackers. So
1: Kenny Beckett that- is in shambles right now. <laughs>
2: Oh, God, yeah. No, and I'm genuinely genuinely kind of surprised that Kenny Pickett's hand size hasn't been blown out of proportion and talked about to death as much as it has been. Like, I I want some of those hot takes. Oh, Kenny Pickett's hands are smaller than nine inches. He's the worst quarterback in the league. He's going to suck ass. Like, I I don't know. It's just a fun little (laughs) anecdote, but –
1: all right. Before we move on to some guys we like in the middle rounds, I, I guess we should touch on the, the the Alabama kid. Um, and that's God just had him in my notes. Where's he? Go? Christian Harris, um, another undersized guy. Uh, but I he is, for lack of a better term, very tightly wound in his frame. He's shorter, but he's like very densely built. Um. He's, he's, he's a leader he's a leader of that guys and die defense. Uh, he uh, actually, he does, 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 despite despite being, being a little lighter, lighter at 200, two hundred two hundred pounds, pounds, he, he does, does, does do well do well, well. He's he's shedding shedding, shedding is getting his weight up here He he doesn't. I wouldn't say he's like a great great coverage coverage I'm not gonna like like make him make him look stupid. He he's fast spot I guess is the best thing um, um, he he, he runs, runs well with the way he has everyone. He, yeah, doesn't, he doesn't, does, he's doesn't He's a good athlete. athlete. He, I don't know if he's like he's on, he's on the, level, the level, level, level of white Walker. I have to look up his his like different measurables, which I'm going to do right now. But why don't you go ahead and take over your thoughts on him?
2: Yeah, for sure. And uh, just a heads up, I uh, I don't know what something's up with the mic. It does sound a little robotic. Fixing. There we go. That sounds good now. That sounds good. But okay. I, I <laughs> like the fun thing is like, I never know what the, the problem is with any of my stuff whenever it falls apart. So, uh, but yeah, no, we're good now. Uh, And I really like Christian Harris. He's a guy that I've had my eye on for, he was actually the first linebacker that I watched in this class Uh, going back to the summer. He's someone that I really liked watching and, I'll admit his 2021 maybe didn't live up to the expectations I had for him coming into the season, but it's still another very athletic linebacker who's uh, just, he's got good fluidity, good side to side athleticism, but I think the straight line is really where he's going to make his money. Just how explosive he is in his first step and how, uh, how much like range he has in a straight line. Like once he's able to, uh, make his reads, which again I don't think that he's maybe as intelligent as a Nickobe Dean, which is why I do have Dean higher. But when Harris makes the right read, he's very tough to stop. You get him out in space; he's a very good mm-hmm. will linebacker, uh, and again, another former defensive back. We kept talking about it. He started off as a defensive back; he yep. has that uh, has that experience there, and I think it shows up. I mean, I still feel like there's some. Uh, some kinks to iron out in coverage, but uh, I'll take him in coverage more than a decent amount of linebackers in this class still just because of that athletic upside he has. And the the flashes are there. The flashes are there. And I'd like to see a little more down-to-down consistency, and he's not, you know, the biggest guy out there. But uh, I still think he's a quality talent. I think he goes round two. Don't know exactly where in round two. Uh, but I think that's around the range that we're going to start talking about him as I a, think you're right. Quality target there.
1: So we're going to move on to a mid-round prospect or two that we each like and we're going to try to fly through these a little bit. I'm going to leave the guy I know you're going to talk about and I'm going to take the guy that the threat on a couple couple not too long couple days not too long ago something like that. And that's Wyoming's Chad Mumo. I thoroughly enjoy watching Chad Mumo play football. He can <laughs> he he, he, he he's a bit reckless at times where he'll overshoot the ball carrier completely. Cause he's, he actually is despite like playing at like a smaller school Muma is a really good athlete. I believe he tested in the 9.3 range, according to math bombs, uh, RAS. Yeah. I, I can't, uh, like it's, I didn't know he was that fast. Like, it, and it's so hard to tell when you're playing at like those whack division schools or mountain West schools, like, who is legitimately fast or who's just faster than everybody else on the field because
0: yeah.
1: it, level of competition matters. And that's the biggest thing when I watch him where it's like, I can justify putting a second grade or second round grade on Chad Muma. But when someone's like, well, what about competition level? And it's like, I can't, I, I value that a lot. And I knock guys for it. And I would be very, that'd be very not fair of me to not knock Muma for the same exact thing when yeah. I knock literally everybody else for it. So I, I think that's a very fair thing to ask when you're evaluating him. Like how good is he versus was he a big fish in a small pond? Or is his tra- traits and his ability to play football going to translate to the next level? And is he going to need time? Is he going to need a year to adjust to the NFL game, adjust to an NFL playbook and get used to playing at the NFL level coming from Wyoming? That being said, I actually think in time he'll be a three down Mike linebacker in regardless of scheme I don't know where that is I I hope it's Chicago which I know <laughs> probably infuriates some Bears fans when they're like you need to surround Justin fields with everything like to me it's just you gotta at the end of the day this is the culture building year right you gotta get your best football players in fit the culture that you're trying to build and you have to make sure you do this the way that you envision your team being going forward, which is they want smart, physical, fast football players. Am I saying to take him at 39? No. Am I saying to take him at 48? Also, no. I'm more saying if you like him at the end of round two and say, hypothetically, you trade back and pick up an extra pick, maybe you can consider him there. I think I'm higher on his grade more than most people because he does have some deficiencies in that. He can be fooled. He does overshoot plays a lot. He does tend to get lost in the shuffle here and there, but his his hair trigger downfield, his athleticism, his ability to go sideline to sideline, he actually covers fairly well. But again, how good is the coverage when you're covering guys that are going to be bagging groceries in a few years versus <laughs> if you were in the SEC. So I'll let you go ahead and poop on my Mooma love. That, that's the dude. I just, I thoroughly enjoy watching him. He just makes me happy. So go ahead.
2: Ruined my day. I, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm not going to crap on him because <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. Here's the, I'm, I, I'm in a generous mood, and you're lucky that I don't hate Muma because I, I like <laughs> his game too. I like his game too. So I have him as like an early round three guy. So speaking as a Bears perspective, uh, I don't know if he falls there, but if he's available, say – uh, where is it exactly? I want to say like it's 70. I shouldn't know what the Bears third on pick is 71, 71.
1: I was going to say it was 71 or two. I couldn't remember off the top of my head.
2: Yeah. So if you're looking at Chad Muma at 71 there, I think that's a good fit. Uh, there's a lot to like with this game. There's st- there's obviously stuff to be uh, caution, uh, to be cautionate, cautious, cautious. That's a, common adjective i don't know how i got that wrong man you are
1: trying your best here
2: it, i'm trying <laughs> I, i'm just it, it's just me and my comically large uh jug of tea that i'm drinking uh just out here doing our best I, you know i got
1: my mountains my mountain spring sparkling water no, it's I all good. That.
2: yeah we, we got to stay hydrated but yeah so muma i think you summed it up very well a lot of the strengths and weaknesses i think that processing is a bit of a work in progress uh can be a bit too late to diagnose things Uh, again, reactive more than he is instinctive and can get faked out by those, you know, option plays, RPOs, read options, uh, play action, what have you. Uh, But there's size there. There's speed there. He plays hard. I like what he offers as a blitzing linebacker up the a gap. There are some uh, linebackers in this class Especially now, like we mentioned, guys who have those DB backgrounds, maybe they don't have a ton of experience shedding blocks, a ton of experience working near the line of scrimmage. I think Muma does that pretty well. Uh, And again, I I do have him knocked a little bit because he doesn't play at a power five school. Uh, It's not like this end all be all, but like, I'm sure you'll agree. That is something to keep into consideration a little bit, even if it's not the end of the world.
1: You have to, because yeah. it's just not the same game. The The Wyoming conference, which I believe is the, the WAC, right? The Western Athletic Conference? Yeah, yeah.
2: Wait, no, wait, wait no, hold on.
1: It, it the Mountain West. It's Mountain West. It's Mountain West. Mountain West. Um, it's just not the same level of competition as even like the ACC, which has been down the past couple of years. And the ACC isn't the same as the Big Ten. The Big Ten, as we see every year, isn't the SEC. So – it's something you very much have to consider, unless you are dominating at a level that is just so unparalleled that it's like you can't be ignored. Mumu is very good, yeah. but it's not like he made it look like the fact that he just belonged in the Big Ten. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, like, but go ahead with your mid round guy. I mean,
2: you know, yeah. So enough, I'm Muma. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm assuming I'm assuming this is the guy that you're thinking I'm going to bring up. Uh and if that's the case, then you're right. I've talked about him a lot on Twitter. I think he's a very good fit for what the Bears and the Eberflu system wants at linebacker. And that's Brian. Eberflu Oh,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, Who do you, you think I was gonna play? Who'd you think I
1: thought you know, I thought you were gonna go Troy Anderson, truthfully. Like- okay,
2: that's that's fair. That's fair. I uh he was I was debating between him, uh between Anderson and Osimoa. And I think that at this point Anderson's stock is a little higher. So we're going mid round guys. I'm going, I think I'm gonna shift it. over to Osamoa. Uh but yeah, just quick thing. Troy Anderson though, physical specimen. I think he'll go higher than people realize. But.
1: Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um,
2: unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh and I think that Osamoa, he's not the biggest guy out there. It's he's very oddly proportionately built which is, it might sound mean, I promise it's not. So he's <laughs> he's, he's six foot. He's, he's just a little over six foot, which is, you know, small for an off-ball linebacker, 226, 79-inch wingspan. That's 93rd percentile. So he's just a, a short Jeez. guy with these insanely long gangly arms. And... I don't know, I just thought I'd bring that up cuz that's a little uh fun anecdote <laughs> it surprises me whenever I watch him. Uh yeah, I think we keep talking a lot about these athletic linebackers and I think Asamoa fits that bill. He's uh quick in a straight line, he's got good side to side mobility, uh fluid hips, he's able to change direction and coverage pretty well. I think he's he's pretty intelligent too and the drawback with Asamoah, the reason I don't think he's going to go super high is, yeah, his size, I think he needs to add a little bit more muscle to his frame, uh, and that can cause for some missed tackles from time to time. Uh, it, his form isn't necessarily bad, but I just think it's more so that he doesn't have the raw play strength needed to consistently wrap so, up and bring down tackler. Ball so player. I
1: really haven't gotten much to Osamoa outside of a game Uh, because I was worried about the Georgia guys and, you know, I caught a love affair with the guy we just covered. Do you worry, like just looking at his frame, I understand he's got the really long gangly tree vines for arms. Does it worry you at all that he's just quote unquote light in the ass? He's, he's not, he's not like super thick through the legs and thighs. So I just wonder when it's, when it comes time to like, you know, you know, hunker down and take on a tight end or whatever that he's just going to get washed out. Is that a concern or that you have or no?
2: I mean, a little bit, I, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't take that into some consideration. So that's why I do have, uh, that mid round grade on him. Uh, like, you know, maybe early day three, I think is generally the best landing spot for him. Uh, but in terms of, you know, dropping back and covering those tight ends, I think that yes, that is a, a bit of a concern, but as the you know the linebacker position is changing but the tight end position is changing too. So you're seeing right. more and more of those converted wide receivers, a lot of guys who are a little bit lighter uh you know don't have that big body frame. If he goes up against someone who's like 6'6" like 260 then yes, I you know I'd be concerned a little bit cuz that you know the play strength isn't elite with Osamoa, but I, I think mm-hmm. that the upside with him uh, the ceiling rather is a solid starter. I think you could play Mike or will uh, realistically at the next level. Cause you know, he's intelligent uh, m- maybe a little bit better of a fit as a will. I know he played a bit more Mike in Oklahoma, uh, but
0: uh-huh.
2: you know, I-, I think because of the size, you know, will might be a little bit better, but athleticism is impressive. A lot of range as a tackler uh, good form as a tackler. If he can add, uh maybe let's say like close to 10 pounds it doesn't even have to be exactly 10 pounds because he's he's just light so if you can get a a little bit more uh sand in his pants i guess uh it's which is such a weird pants it's such a weird expression (laughs) i don't get i don't get where some of these weird ass like scouting tropes come from it's just like (laughs) like, who put sand in their pants i don't get that like
1: i (laughs) I've that never, sounds very uncomfortable if you ask me. Exactly. Like you've you've
2: gone to the beach, like you get sand in your clothes. Like, that sucks. Like, who wants
1: that? <laughs> All right, let's speed through our we'll <laughs> give one uh one late round guy we like and, and we'll speed into the edge rushers because we, we spent a little more time on Muma than I anticipated, but I, I refuse to apologize. Um of course. my late round guy, and it's not a linebacker class unless you talk about linebacker U Penn State. And my late round guy that I just—it's like you—you turn on Penn State's defense and he's just there. He's—he looks like a like a pterodactyl essentially in the linebacking (laughs) corner. That's Brandon Smith. This dude is massive. He's like six and six foot three and a half, two hundred and fifty pounds. And he, I think he was another like one of those consensus five star recruit coming out coming out to Penn State. Which again, you don't if you're a five star linebacker coming out, you're either going to Penn State or Alabama. That's or clearly Georgia as well. Yeah. But that's just where this dude goes. He he's like this. He's got these long arms. He's big, broad shoulder. He looks the part. Like if you were to draw up what a modern Mike linebacker is supposed to look like. You know, because especially because he's rangy, he's explosive, he's athletic. It's him. He's what that looks like. Yeah. But then you start watching him, and it's like he doesn't diagnose well. He's slow to react. He's just he's he looks every bit of the modern linebacker in terms of what it should be. He just lacks a lot in that he he doesn't produce. He's he he needs to be better. It, it's, it's kind of like petite frere, as we talked about last episode, where it's like, there's some games where he pops and he's everywhere. And then there's other games. It's like, where the hell is the pterodactyl on the linebacking core? Yeah. And you're left wanting more. And it, it, you can't have, especially at a position that is so in a sense, becoming widely replaceable where the, the baseline linebacker is just so good now that you can just, kind of plug and play in a way yeah. where unless you are having Fred warmer, Rokon Smith, Darius Leonard, et cetera, the who's who of linebackers, you're largely kind of just, all right, take him out, put the next one in. Let's go. Let's roll. It, it sounds really simplistic. It it obviously is a little more nuanced than that, but he, he should, if you get him in the right coaching state and you do, give him time. Maybe you get a late round gem in Brandon Smith. And I can't help but think that just because of everything about him. Like I'm going to pull up his, his mock draftable real quick, but if you want to chime in on him while I do that.
2: Yeah, no. So actually while you were talking, I did pull up Brandon Smith's RAS. I don't have his mock draftable up, but I did want to pull this up because I knew it was like insane. So Size grade, elite, explosion grade, elite, agility dra- grade, elite, speed grade, elite. It's outside of bench. He had uh, 19 bench reps, which is slightly below average for a linebacker. Everything is green. And if you know the relative athletic scorecard, you know, green is very good. So I, I wholeheartedly agree. I don't want to uh, spend too much time uh, on this yeah. guy because he's played a lot on him already that I definitely agree with. A slow ben, go ahead. Play. You know what?
1: I was just going to, I'll close it out with 90th percentile height, 86th percentile weight, 97th percentile wingspan, 98th percentile arm length, 90th percentile hand size, 91st percentile 40 yard dash, 86th percentile vert, 94th percentile broad jump.
0: This dude
1: is an alien Yeah, and just doesn't play like it. It's infuriating. But that's why we said this is late round gems and if If you take that body type, those measurables, what does he do? He does special teams at the very least.
2: (laughs) At the very least, this guy is going to be a a special teams demon. But, you know, so I'm going to go with my late round linebacker. Then we can uh, wrap up and get some edge defenders in here. So I'm going with a guy that's a bit under the radar. I won't touch on him too much uh, for the sake of time. But Darian Butler out of Arizona State. Now, Stick with me here. He's 5'10 and a, a 221 pounds. He's the shortest linebacker that I've watched in this class this year. Uh, so obviously there's room for concern there from a size perspective. And I don't know exactly how he's used at the next level. i maybe put him at will, use him a lot on special teams, especially in one of those uh, linebacker safety hybrids, big nickel, what have you. But When I tell you this guy can move, he is just freaking dynamite in shoulder pads. That's maybe not the most articulate way to describe him, but I think that you watch him. He's very fast in a straight line. He plays incredibly hard, and there's a lot to like there. Granted, the size is an obvious concern. Agility is okay, which, which I think that worries me. I don't think he's going to get drafted because his, he didn't necessarily test super well agility-wise, uh, and that kind of shows on tape sometimes. But he plays his ass off, and he's very fast in a straight line. So Darian Butler out of Arizona State, I don't think he gets get drafted because of all those concerns, but I think he's a guy to watch as a priority free agent. As someone who can stick around low-key for a while, as a special teams kind of guy.
1: Awesome. Well, let's get a quick break in and then we'll jump into edge. All right. Sounds good. Get your water. (laughs) Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns.
0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: And we back. So the, I don't really want to go. Is it bad that I really don't even want to talk about Aiden Hutchinson? Like we, we know who he is. Yeah, ESPN's no. done it for us. NFL Network's done it for us. We we know who Aiden Hutchinson is. He's probably going to be drafted number one overall by the Jaguars, and that's completely great for him. I think the the, the conversation of edge really kind of starts when you're talking about. Oh my God! Why am I blanking on his name? The, the Oregon kid,
2: Kayvon Thibodeau. Jesus,
1: Dan Kayvon Thibodeau. <laughs> I was about to say Tom. I was about to say Tom Thibodeau, and I just like that's the wrong. That's that's Chicago wrong Bulls. Thibodeau. <laughs> coach. Wrong Thibodeau. So kind of sort of in like the least like damning way I want to say this all the things I said about Brandon Smith, you can kind of apply to cave Thibodeau in terms of his consistency, where sometimes it kind of just looks like he's got his big, not interested sign held up and he just doesn't seem like he wants to be there. Yeah. But that being said, if you're telling me and you're asking me in my heart of hearts, who do I believe has a bigger ceiling? Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson, I I think it's Kayvon just because of the things he can do. Now, it's not saying Aiden Hutchinson is a bad athlete, because he's not. Aiden Hutchinson, I believe, actually tested very well at his at his pro day and his and at the combine. But Kayvon Thibodeau just that first step. And the ability to, when he wants to go get somebody, he's gonna go get him. Now, it, is he like, is he the same level of prospect as the way I viewed Jadavian Clowney years back when he came out? No, he's not there. He's not Chase Young coming out a couple years ago where it was like Chase Young is from another planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Kayvon Thibodeau does a lot of things well, and it starts first and foremost with his first step and his athleticism. I, I really don't know how else to describe it, There's, but there is a lot to be – he leaves something to be desired in terms of you hear these You hear these stories about him at school, and you, and then you start hearing some of the stories come out about how even coaches that schemed against him Thought they were going to be getting up against more. Now, could it be entire that he was trying to coast just to get himself to the league and not get hurt? That's absolutely possible. But I, I just wonder about certain things. But he is he. I think he's the definition of boomer bust because if that trend continues into the NFL, that's a problem, and yeah. that that's going to lead to issues and frustrations on their end.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I think that there's there is reason for concern with Thibodeau, and that's why he's falling down these boards. And I understand it, you know, definitely. And I'm not one of these NFL coaches or scouts who's in there interviewing the guy or getting, you know, the firsthand. Oh, this is what no, his you coach are. <laughs>
1: was, I you are Whitney City Gridiron Lead Draft Expert. So you are Mr. Man.
2: I yeah, look at me. <laughs> Uh, I, I, <laughs> I I resemble a seventh grader more than I do a fully grown man. <laughs> <kid. laughs>
0: uh,
1: but to 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 kind of give you uh, the, the other thing about Thibodeau is his, his flexibility. He's got great hips. It's like not quite to the level of like when you watch Robert Quinn sometimes, especially when he was in his heyday, where it's like his hips are on the ground and his like he's bent all the way over and stuff like that, like he's not that, but he is, you know, he's bendy. He's, he's explosive. He He's more, I want to say he's like almost like an unrefined ball of clay and athleticism. Who's just kind of been getting away with that for his whole career than he yeah. is Aiden Hutchinson, who is much more technician in this, that, the other.
2: Yeah, no, I think Hutchinson's the superior technician for sure. Uh, I think that you're looking at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bless you.
0: Excuse
1: me. Thank so. you.
2: Yeah, I think with Thibodeau, someone I can see some similarity to is Brian Burns on the Panthers, and he's someone that it's they started out different, you know, differently. I think that Burns broke out his last season in college. Thibodeau was this highly touted guy for such a long time, uh, but I think similar body. Yeah, he
1: type was like, the, I think he was even the top edge athlete in his class. I want to say.
2: I think so too if I remember correctly. Uh, And you just watch Thibodeau's first step quickness is insane. And that's something you have to account for if you're an offensive tackle and pass protection. He's, you know, like you mentioned, flexible turning the corner off the edge. I think he has solid raw power in his upper body. I think he has pretty decent grip strength. I think the anchor is where I have a little bit of concerns where in regards to him setting the edge consistently in the pros, Uh, but Again, like you mentioned, there's that boomer bust risk. Is he that type of guy who's going to slack and just coast off of his athletic tools? Is he going to consistently work to refine his game, to add a little bit more strength to his frame, to round out his skill set? Is he know. going to develop
1: a plan? It looks yes. like he's just living off athleticism. He doesn't ever like have a it's like it's not move counter it's it's like it's like a boxer. Who's only a slugger. Like he goes wow. up there and he's like, I'm going to knock you out. And then when all of a sudden he's against a defensive fighter, it's like, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's not a perfect comparison, but it's like, unless he's winning with that first burst in the first move, he doesn't have a, a counter punch. Like, and it's almost infuriating, but let's move on to another guy. I kind of view in that same regard, but I actually really enjoy the style in which he plays, and that's actually a guy you did a one-on-one interview with, and that's George Karlaftis. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm not sure where you put him. Like, truthfully, I don't think grade-wise, he's he's much further off of like the top two or three guys yeah. as other people do. I think he's really close, especially when you factor in. I believe he's still relatively new to the game of football. Yeah. And the first word that comes up is just powerful. Mm. The guy is just so immensely explosive and strong. And he kind of, in a way, even like body reminds me a bit of of another Purdue pass rusher who came out years and years ago and actually just, I believe he's getting ready to retire. Um, why am I? I got it. I'm doing great with names. Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan. Where it was like relentless motor, relentless energy, and he's just coming at you full bore every single snap. There's not. It's it's not like Thibodeau where it's like he's always, always, always like just kind of like, are you gonna get it this snap or are you not? Karloftis is bringing it every single snap. And he's, it's just immense power. He's got such strong hands. And he, I, he just, it's to the point where the motor almost takes him away from the play because he's so worried about just go, 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 go. Yeah. That he'll overshoot himself from the play. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I'd rather that than just be washed out because you're not caring, I guess. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, I, I just you got to be patient with him i think he does have some work to do cuz it's he he has moves it's not just bull rush or nothing like but he he needs to time to develop like when you punch and he counter punches and you counter his counter punch he doesn't necessarily have all that in his repertoire yet he just needs a little bit more seasoning and a little bit more time and he needs to go to the right situation if you're drafting him and you're trying to make him the number one pass rusher straight away, I think you're going to run into problems because he does need more time and needs he needs coaching, frankly. And I I think any defensive line coach worth his salt is going to see this kid and see the raw power in the the motor and the grit and the edge, and they're going to want they're going to want to get their hands on him because he's almost in a sense that coachy coaches dream.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, again, you're looking at Carl Laftus. He is newer to the sport. He came over from Greece when he was in eighth grade. And he didn't play any American football prior to that. So, and uh, another thing that I, I took away from, I had the chance to talk to him, like you mentioned. And a lot of that strength, like especially in his anchor like that natural power, obviously from, you know, lifting and, you know, bulking up and all that. But naturally a lot of that comes from his background in water polo and you're playing water polo, you're treading water for such a long time. You're like kicking your legs and all that. You have to be strong, especially in your lower half,
1: dude. Well, that explains, honestly, that explains the anchor too because when you're treading water for that long, that enables your, that, that engages your core the whole time as well. So your butt, your core, your legs, that's gonna. That's what you're doing when you're doing that. So, yeah, I, yeah. I think we've covered Loftus Like it, it's it's unfortunate that he is so new to the sport, and I and I want to, like I said, he does have a repertoire of moves. He just needs help and he needs refinement to his game. That's really what it comes down to with him.
2: Yeah, I'll just point this out, and we can move on to someone else. Uh, I know this is a bit un uh, uncommon, uh, not uncommon, like unpopular. I guess, now at this stage of the draft process. I still have Karloftis over Trayvon Walker
1: out of Georgia. And Oh, that's actually who I was going to go to next because Trayvon Walker is like flavor of the day right now.
2: Yeah, yeah, no. And that's not a knock on Walker at all. I think it's very close between the two. It's just a matter of like pick your flavor, uh, what you prefer out of an edge rusher. But, you know, I... So um, is
1: he your number... Is Karloftis your number three edge then?
2: Yeah, Carlaftis is my three. Walker's my four. They're literally Carlaftis is my wow. eighth overall prospect. Trayvon Walker's my ninth. So they're like neck and neck.
1: How about that? Well, there you have yeah. it, ladies and gents. You don't even need to <laughs> need to buy the draft guide. Um,
2: um I really. Hey, it's, I it's feel two like prospects. There's two prospects. I still have so many others. Please buy my draft guide. I'm a broke college. <laughs> kid. I need it. You
1: know I. <laughs> I, I don't really want to touch on like really so much of like Quay Wal- like even Tra- Trayvon Walker now it's like I don't really want to go over him because he got, he's gotten so much publicity lately. I wow. do, however, want to go over a Senior Bowl stud, and that's Jermaine Johnson. Mm. And he he is a bit of a lighter, more traditional forty front defensive end, I guess, almost like for the cover too. And don't don't get too excited, Bears fans. You're not gonna have it chance at him but unless you know the unless the the gas mask video hits or something like that but (laughs) um jermaine johnson is long strong hands he's able to use the a swipe or rip move i think he occasionally engages his spin nothing like crazy but he You know what, it's hard to say I I knew about him really prior to the Senior Bowl because I didn't because Florida State's been bad for the better part of like three seasons now. And I know that's an indictment on me. Hey, you don't know every single player ever. Uh." But, you know, when you start, it's the point of evaluation and and going through it and going through the the art, as it were, of trying to learn who these guys are. Um, I think he's very good at, you know... He, in a transferring of speed to power and you, engaging his hands and getting himself to the quarterback and, or the ball carrier, as it were, he doesn't seem to get pushed around too much, despite being a little bit on the lighter side. Um, he, I mean, he does struggle with it. He, he you know, more of a V shaped athlete doesn't carry a ton of weight, unlike Carlaptis and his legs and his, his ass as it were, but yeah. I like him. I think some team's going to get ice nice, you know, pass rushing, 40 front defensive end he's very classic but he and and I do know the reports about him are he's a he's a grinder he's a worker very much film guy wants to learn tendencies of the matchup he's against so that's a good thing you can never go wrong with that and I think some teams gonna get themselves a decent edge defender when they if they get themselves Jermaine Johnson
2: yeah yeah no definitely I think that and you keep that in mind that he has this work ethic that he has that you know that wanting to consistently keep watching film to keep noticing tendencies i think that's huge cuz i think that you know Jermaine Johnson being a one year fbs starter cuz he was at georgia before he uh before he transferred to florida state which is crazy to think about another you know stud on that georgia defense but uh He's only a one-year starter at the FBS level, so there, he doesn't have as many uh, in-game reps as some of the top guys as you know, Thibodeau or especially Hutchinson, who's been around the, in college for a while. Uh, so I think processing speed is you know, a, li- a little bit of an issue with him. Uh, I'd like to see him develop a little bit more of a go-to counter move. Uh, I don't know if he really has one, but at this stage right now, the motor is obvious. Like you mentioned, the speed to power. He has quick hands. I think that he has good uh, o- overall finesse in his game, and he's uh, quick to be able to uh, swat the hands of offensive tackles away. I, I like his uh, I like his swim mover, arm over. However, you like to use the terminology. I think he does use that pretty well. Uh, there's a lot to like with Johnson for sure. So I think I ha- I have him. Uh, I have a good grade on him. I think he's going to go a bit higher than where I have him. I think he goes top ten, but again, with Jermaine Johnson, you're getting someone who's got. He can be good now, but he can be great later, and I think that's the long term play you're getting with him.
1: Absolutely, it, it's hard to not It's hard to disagree with you there. Um, so. I think we should probably move into our our mid round guys. We'll each pick one. Why don't you go ahead with yours first, and I'll follow up with mine.
2: Okay, so in terms of mid round edge rushers, there there are a handful of guys I could realistically go with. Uh, it's
1: a you lot. You know of- what's crazy? Before you get into this, is yeah, some of these mid round guys, if they're like in any other class of edge rushers, you're talking about them in like the second round or the yeah. end of the first because of how deep this edge class is. It is unreal how deep this class is at edge
2: oh no it's unbelievable and there are just so many guys uh that could realistically go a lot lower than they honestly deserve to just because of exactly that Mm -hmm. it's just a loaded class one guy i want to talk about we've already talked about uh penn state guy i want to bring into another guy uh on that penn state defense that's arnold evick an edge rusher from penn state and I know I've brought up a handful of undersized players on the defensive side of the ball, and Ebiketti another Very one. Very on guys.
1: brand for Jacob.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I'm five <laughs> ten on a good day, but <laughs> no, uh, Ebiketti—he's you know short of six three, two hundred fifty pounds. He's added some weight to his frame, you know, which he deserves credit for. But he's still a little uh, lanky for my taste, but very, very good athlete. You're looking at someone who, uh, 38 inch vertical jump, that's 91st uh, percentile for a defensive end, uh, broad jump, uh, 100, 128 inches. I I just have mock draftable up. Uh, I'm not good at converting, uh, inches to feet in that regard, but it's, it's 96 percentile. So it's, it's clearly good. Uh, and, when i watch that you see a lot of that explosiveness show up with his tape uh he's got really good first step quickness i think that uh and that shows up i was a i just pulled up his relative athletic score he has four six six 40 yard dash at his pro day with a one six three 10 yard split which is they're both very good times for him uh the overall quickness off the snap is impressive i generally think that he's got good, mobility once he gets out into space he's got good value as a backside defender he can turn the corner well and for a guy who doesn't necessarily have elite power i think he uses his hands pretty well uh the finesse and the activity both stand out to me strength's a bit of an issue i'd like to see him uh get a little more anchor uh, a little more strength in his anchor and get his weight distributed a little bit lower i think his center of gravity is still a little high which you know, not necessarily ideal for a shorter edge rusher, but you get a guy who's that explosive, and I think that's worth taking a shot yeah. on. Uh, I'd say, like, maybe mid-late day, uh, mid-late round three, I think he could go higher if a team's willing to bet on the athletic traits, but uh, he, he's someone that I definitely think has, especially in, like, a 3-4 base, get him in a stand-up type of role, Uh I think there's a lot to like with him. So Arnold Ibiketti is the guy that I like uh, in those uh, middle rounds, I guess you could say. All
1: right. So I'm going to go a little off the beaten path here because I'm probably higher grade wise on him than some, but I really enjoy him. And that's Michael Clemens from Texas A&M, a little older. Um, He is, I believe, going to be 25 heading into the season as a rookie um but i part of the reason why i like him is actually uh you know we heard the resilience story coming out of what what uh Ryan Poles is looking for in these uh potential draft picks and free agents and undrafted free agents and whatnot um michael Clemens was actually a no star recruit coming out of high school um had to work his way from Cisco community college to a&m where he was then redshirted with injuries and then he came back and then he was injured again. Like he he's got injury problems, but you watch him on tape and he's six five and a half. He's damn near 265 pounds. He's very well put together, which you would expect for a guy who's 25 years old, which for those who don't know, when you reach the ages of 25, 26 as a male, it's when your testosterone level is highest. So you put that guy in a college strength program that is under Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M, and you're going to get a guy that's probably pretty rocked up and well developed if he's put time in the weight room. But he's got strong hands. He's able to convert speed to power. He bends good, not great. He act for what what he does really well is set the edge. Like he he's able to to anchor and sit down and, and really force and funnel things back to where they should be, where his where the on-waiting linebackers and other defensive linemen are. I think he does a very good job of like consistently bringing it, you know, game to game. He's not very much like he, I wouldn't say he's like over the top, high, high intensity, but he's always popping on film. He's always kind of showing off what he's got. Um, I I like a lot of what. what you hear about him. Like I know coach Jimbo Fisher was said, he puts his heart into everything he's got. That's good. That means he's trying and he's busting his ass all the time. I know he's probably not the most well thought of. I actually probably would have him as a third rounder if it weren't for him being 25 years old coming into the season, but I've probably got him in the fourth or fifth round right now. When you factor in mediocre to good production and, age and the, the the injury history i think he's probably going to be better in the run versus the pass given the way he plays and the the strengths of his game but there's nothing wrong with that like he he's probably a rotational defensive end but i think he could have more untapped potential if you're able to get him to use that workout like, again the above average athleticism that he does have when he when it comes to uh when it comes to molding him going forward now how much upside is left given that age i really don't know
2: yeah no and i, I won't touch a ton on clemens because admittedly like i i've watched him i didn't get to watch as much of him as i would have hoped uh, i i obviously still can go back and you know check some stuff out on him but you know prior to the draft guide uh i don't have as much as i'd admittedly like to have on him uh i've watched it some of stuff. It
1: does happen, uh, yeah.
2: but I will just point this out I think that uh he's got obviously a really good frame and from a, a sheer size perspective so at the combine he did broad jump and bench and you know measure height weight wingspan arm length hand size Michael Clemens's top comparison as a defensive end is actually Dio Odeigbo who is a defensive lineman from Vanderbilt who was a second round pick last year by the Indianapolis Colts whose defensive coordinator was Matt Eberflus. Now, spider charts aren't the only thing that get a player drafted to a certain team, but if you're looking for someone with a similar build, uh there are you know a somewhat similar skill set. Uh I think you would definitely make that case with Clemens and obviously the size uh, not the size, the age is a bit of a concern. And I don't think he has a very high ceiling, but I think he's a solid enough rotational guy. So uh, yeah. I think that's a solid uh, target, like, you know, early day three, something like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So before we'll wrap it up here. We'll each go with one, uh, one, one late round or priority free agent or UDFA, however you want to say it. Before we maybe look to get some questions in, depending on how long we go, but I would be doing a disservice to my my dad who actually does tune into some of these episodes. And I guess I can't go another episode without talking about an Notre Dame guy. And that there actually is a Notre Dame def, edge defender who I like in the later rounds or undrafted, and that's Myron Tagaviloa Amosa. Um, another older guy; he's twenty four coming into the year. I believe he actually. Yeah, he turns twenty four in a month. Looking at his date of birth here, um, good first step. Uh, very, he's got happy feet when he rushes. He's like a frenetic. He's got frenetic feet, I guess I would say when when he's rushing the passer. Um, anchors okay. Doesn't really have a much of much of a pass rushing like set of skills, so to say. It's kind of just I'm just gonna push and bull rush you and. And try to, conv- try to convert speed to power. But, yeah. you know, he gets fooled on play action and RPO stuff. Uh, he's a little thin in terms of, or not thin, a little short rather. He's just off 6'3, 270 pounds. Doesn't really carry much in his lower half, which, so he's a little bit top heavy. But I also, I do know if, in terms of, your, again, you're looking for character builders later in the draft. He was a team. He was a team captain. I believe he was a. Uh, believe he was a coach's uh, pick for. I believe he was a coach, like the captain as well. Not just a player. Not just voted on by players, and by Brian Kelly and his staff, which is saying something considering Marcus Freeman and how well he is liked in South Bend now. Um, he he's probably undrafted. He didn't produce a ton at Notre Dame. More of a try-hard guy than he is a great like athlete or anything like that. He, he he's he's a decent player who I think if you get him in the right system, you might do something the bottom, Like in terms of
0: just hit, just hit, hit, get him using effort, get effort, to, effort to get everything out of what he's doing. Like I mean, you you look at his for, for instance his spider
1: chart. Like he's 15, like he's 15,000 $15, 16,000 tile, weight 20,000 tile, 16, 20, 20, 20, 16,000 16, arm length, 50, centile got a decent, guessing, guessing, which the were there, there. But like, but like his, his, his two, two best, best are and smooth. Two, two, you know, shorter, smaller, edge defenders. And you know, you know, it is what it is, what
0: it is.
2: All right, you know, just looking in the comments here. We're getting a little razzing. Uh, Mr. Roboto returns. I'm sorry. I <laughs> know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think you summed up Myron Tangabaloa Omosa very well. Uh, I think he's a little bit of a tweener, honestly. You know, he's heavier for an edge rusher, but doesn't have great length. Uh, solid first step quickness. I think that'll you know, help him out a bit. He's lower to the ground. I think he does a good job of centering his uh, lowering his center of gravity. But again, I agree. I think he can uh, add a little bit more anchor strength to him. So one edge rusher that I'm going to go with, uh, I'm admittedly again, a sucker for athleticism. One guy that I really like is Dominique Robinson out of Miami of Ohio. This is a guy who started off. He's a former wide receiver and
1: i haven't watched him so that's interesting
2: yeah so he's uh admittedly pretty raw he's someone you know i think it's going to take him a little while before he can uh produce at the next level i think he's you know generally a pretty limited uh arsenal as a pass rusher i think pad level centering of gravity can definitely improve but you're looking at a guy's very quick off the ball very long arms Uh, i have it up here he's got uh in a wingspan 73rd percentile, uh just you know built kind of gangly. Uh vertical jump was a 41 inch at 253 pounds. So he can fly. And I think that explosiveness shows up in just how quick he is uh in his first step, how quick he is off the ball. Uh he's he's got good overall uh lateral mobility i think he turns the corner well. he's got flexible hips which i really like and again that's a a guy who's raw i think he's not weak in terms of nfl edge rushers i do think he could he could stand to add a little bit more weight but i think that more of his play strength issues stem from pad level and being newer to rushing off the edge full time i think that that's something that is teachable i think that's something that can come in time Uh, I don't know necessarily how much of an impact he has day one. So I think he, you know, falls into day three of the draft. But as someone you can mold someone with the raw athletic ability, someone with a frame that can fill out a little bit more, that quick first step, that explosiveness. uh, I, I like Robinson a lot. And I honestly think that he's the type of guy you look at around, like, you know, the fifth round or so if you get a chance to take a shot on an athlete like that, I think that's worth the pick.
1: I would agree with you there. Uh, And before we move on to try to get a couple of questions in here, um, I do want to kind of bring it up that uh, David Ojabo did have a pretty serious Achilles injury at his pro day. And I hope and send best wishes out to him. He was going to be and probably still could be a potential first round pick. But uh, he's got a long road ahead of him to before he'll play again, and I just wish him to the quickest recovery possible, just so we can get him back on the field. Because that edge tandem of him and, and Aiden Hutchinson at at the University of Michigan was something to watch.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I love watching Ojabo, and I still have a high grade on him even with the injury. I hope that he, uh, I hope that he's able to uh, recover fully because. Again, he's a first round film that is definitely, you know the athleticism. I think that he's a knack for getting into the backfield, you know, quick hands. Uh, I think he bends well. And if he's able to recover, I don't know exactly how far he'll fall. I think he'll probably go round two still, but yeah, best wishes to him. I hope he's able to recover because when, when he's healthy, he's an absolute baller.
1: Yep. Agreed there. Um, if anyone's got any questions in the chat or even if the boss man or whoever's watching (laughs) razzing us has any questions, we'll take them now. But if not, no big deal. All right. It looks like we got nothing. Uh, you guys enjoy your night. Jacob, where can the fine folks find you once again?
2: Absolutely. So you all can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Infante 24. Uh, Check out here, Windy City Gridiron. I do a lot of NFL draft stuff and Chicago Bears content. Uh, so there's going to be more stuff coming out these coming weeks as we lead up uh, closer and closer to the draft. I do stuff over at uh, the Draft Wire too with USA Today. So make sure to check that out as well. And like I mentioned earlier, my draft guide just came out. So if you're so uh, inclined, please uh, consider checking that out. Uh, I feel like I feel like a beggar. I don't feel good you know <laughs> asking people hey buy my draft guide please but you know i i i did put a lot of work into it so if you're yeah i you put a lot of time and
1: effort into it you have every right to ask
2: <laughs> yeah so if you're a draft fan or you know you don't know a whole lot about the draft and wanna learn a little bit more just definitely consider it so yeah you yeah, know that's where you guys can check me out for sure
1: and before we wrap it up guys you can find me on the bird app at dan mean and number 90 on twitter Um, be on the lookout for more of my prospect breakdowns. I got some notes coming out. I know I made Jacob laugh when I sent him a picture of one of my scouting reports. I still literally (laughs) write everything out on a pad of paper with pen versus the notes app or in an Excel sheet. I literally (laughs) write everything by hand because apparently I hate myself and just want to, want to have a finger cramp at some point in my life.
2: Um, (laughs) because you're secretly uh, seven years old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) 31, sir, sir. (laughs) Um, all right, guys. You have a good rest of your night. Uh, for those of you who were, who were able to turn in, tune in live, we appreciate you. To, we appreciate you dropping by. If not, catch us on Spotify and the Windy City Gridiron Podcast channel. That's all we got for tonight, folks. Have a good one.